Oi, 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 oi. Welcome. Welcome. We are here. Welcome. Uh, we are here with Tiny Mountain, Trav and Eddie. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome Excellent. to the podcast. Golf is clap. Golf is clap. I'm six foot one though, so we're not that tiny. Oh shit, start. I'm 6'2". Yeah, well, there you go. Can we Actually, have a height? They lied to us through band name. Yeah. While we're on it, how did you guys come up with the name Tiny Mountain? Ho oh, ho, good question. That's um, Thank you. My first question <laughs> so, of the day. <laughs> I had a side project called Tiny Vessels. Um, and Eddie had a, a project called... Electro Mountain. Electro Mountain. So we kind of just... And the blending took of the, the tiny, two. Took the wow. mountain. I see, I see how you guys came up with that. I see what you did. It could have yeah, gone yeah. two ways. It could have gone to Electro Vessels, but we just, <laughs> <laughs> we just decided on the other one. I, I like that more. Stu, can no, we start a band called, called <laughs> Electric Vessels? Yeah. 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 Your your last name, we're changing the name right. of this uh, podcast to Electric Vessels. And your last name is also Mountain? We'll come back to that, yes. Yes, yep. that is true. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Once again, like going with the... Tiny Mountain. That's it. Tiny Mountain was born. Nice. So... Today we're going to talk a little bit, seeing as though we've got two uh, cover band aficionados, we are going to talk about session musicians and cover music and all that sort of stuff. So mm, Outside um, of the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen your old band play, I don't know how many times, and I've featured a couple of gigs as well, but yeah. tell us a bit about your experience, Travi, to start off with. Um, kind of like, like, like a brief history of mm, kind yeah. of what mm. happened. Like we kind of just, most of us went to high school together. Like, um, me, Joel, Elliot and Buller. We had five members in the beginning and it kind of just formed as kind of just like a one-off. Someone asked us to like, oh, can you just learn a few songs for my party? It'd yeah. be sick if you guys could just come up and jam. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, what, whatever. It sounds sick. Yeah. So we did that. Um, and from that gig, it went really well. I yeah. had to like, I didn't even have a drum kit at the time. I had to hire did a drum kit. you have a band kit. name? Like at that time, yeah, it was Snack Attack. I think. Oh, it's, I think we stuck with it. Yeah, we had it. So yeah, good. that was it. Was that from the start? That was probably my only regret. Should have been oh, orange sherbet. Should have been orange Names sherbet. Don't mean shit. <laughs> orange sherbet. Yeah. Well, hopefully, the boys see this once it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> once it's broadcast. Oh, yeah, they'll froth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at that point, we just got offered gigs after that. They're like, yeah. "Oh, we want you to play at our party. We want you to play at our party." Yeah. So we just played parties and for like a, just a few months. Only covers. Only covers. Um, and then, and then we um, started playing at our local, the Whittlesea, mm. um, the Whittlesea pub there, oh, the yeah. Royal. <laughs> I went to one of those shows. It was fun. Yeah, that was crazy, man. I we think, used to. I think I got really drunk. Yeah. Most of your gigs, I'm pretty sure I got yeah. quite drunk. I think most oh. of the audience at most Snack people Attack gigs are pretty yeah. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. slaughtered. We'll, we'll talk about down. that in a bit, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. The drunk Getting audience. Drunk. Yeah. Continue. Um, yeah, that, those gigs were pretty crazy. The amount of effort we we bought oh. our own lighting rig. PA, everything, staging, we brought everything and did it ourselves and for like the Peanuts. lowest price. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Um, it was just crazy, but it got us to where we ended up. So yeah. um, from that point, we just, we played those pub gigs for a while and then we ended up auditioning for agency, which was AES, Australian Entertainment Services. Yep. Um, and we auditioned at Crown and um, we kind of felt that everyone would kind of just go in there and play like a cover. Like, every, like I feel like that would just be like the, the theme, but we decided to do two medleys instead, and they loved that. They loved that we were like a young band and we were creative yeah. at least with with what we're doing. So yeah, they were just nice. like, "Yep, done, sign us up." And then from that point, we just had residencies. That's so good. They kind of just threw us into a lot of venues. We played. I feel tell, like tell us tell us some of the venues because I know them. But the big ones would be like Elephant Wilbur in St Kilda, Elephant Wilbur in the city, Bridie O'Reilly's in uh, Brunswick. Um, we played like Paran. other weird we played ones. Played the Paran one as well. 
like yeah. Arcadia. We did play at Arcadia. Yeah. Brighty's um, in Peran a couple of times? Uh, I don't think so. No? I don't okay. think we played there, no. Um, Still doing um, Melbourne. Melbourne Central. Yeah, um, Melbourne Central. Melbourne <laughs> <laughs> Central. Um, uh, yeah, Lion in Melbourne Central. We played there for a while. Those were like the big ones that we stayed at for a while. Yeah. yeah. We stayed at like the Wilbur at St. Kilda for like- Ages. It's like five years or something. Yeah. So Fuck. long. It was long, yeah. How long, how long was this over? Like when was, from when you guys started with this agency to, are you still gigging with them now? They're still going, yeah. Oh, so, sweet. Um, I think a total. I think I was in the band for a total of nine years. It was like just Fuck. on ten, like almost ten years. No shit. Yeah, so it was a long time from yes. like from when we decided to do that first gig, yep. the twenty first, all the way up to. And for a long period, it was your main source of income. Yeah, especially towards like when we studied together. Yeah. Uh, audio, like there was points where. Um, Lucky that didn't go off. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was Elliot. So Elliot, when you <laughs> Elliot. see this, you piece of shit, sending me stupid Snapchats. Yeah, <laughs> just wants to be in on the podcast. Yeah, that's he right. Knew. He still made it somehow. Mm. <laughs> um, nine years. That's nine a fucking years. haul. Yeah. Did crazy. they give you a gold watch when you left? Sorry, you got a, you got a plaque. Did you get a gold I did. Yeah. I got a plaque. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, they made a plaque. Yeah, for it was really nice. That's cool. sick. Yeah. Can I have it? No. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, no, nah, fair. They did the um, – yeah, because no. you, guys, you guys did the farewell show. That's right. Yeah, the last show was at Melbourne Central. Mm. Oh, was that the one? That was uh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good show. Nice. Yeah, damn, that's, that's pretty sweet. Shit on my behalf. But anyway. You didn't get me a plaque when I left the band, Stu. Weren't in a band. <laughs> <laughs> no me, band, me and no Stu plaque. are starting a band, everybody. <laughs> We're getting just, a band back We're not starting a band. <laughs> just, for, just for the there plaque. There is no band. <laughs> just for the plaque. You're not going to make music. You just want to make it Look, and leave. I'll make your plaque just so that you can – Fucking have one, all right? Oh, yeah, well, you're not allowed to be in my band, okay? There's no band, so that's fine. <laughs> well, I'm going to make one. Hey, Trav and Ed, what are you guys doing? You guys want to start? You guys want to be in my band? As long as there's no, no, you know. Stews? There's no stews. <laughs> there's, there's no responsibilities, only we're just going to make a plaque and, and, and that's, that's it. it. We'll just get together for rehearsals. We'll just have plaque making days. <laughs> yeah. We'll wear Hawaiian shirts and that'll be we'll band. Have to, we'll have to get together at least annually. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So that's awesome. That's your history in terms of the cover band. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to what else you've done. But Eddie, do you want to give us a bit of a spiel about your musical history? This is my musical history. Um, just in terms of cover stuff or yeah, just yeah. in general? Yeah, whatever. I guess Session like, musician. I guess, yeah, I guess with the stuff. cover thing, the cover thing is interesting for me because um, mine's, mine's a lot different to what Trav did where Trav sort of had like one dedicated project that he was part of that like that was, you know, his weekly you know, his weekly gig, whereas mine sort of um, sort of sprouted from just meeting heaps of different people through going to uni, learning music there and, um, and, and just sort of making these connections with different people. And I mainly just sort of got, got called in for mm. various projects, you know, fill in on guitar, on bass um, and things like that. And so mine's more, mine's more of like a sort of spread out, across various different projects yeah. sort of basis. I'm not really dedicated to one particular mm -hmm. thing, which I think is good because you've got a bit more freedom in the gigs that you can pick and choose, you know, mm. whether or not you're choosing to play with certain people that you uh, enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whether you're you're choosing a gig purely for the, the money side of things, yeah. you know. Um, obviously certain things like weddings, 
and stuff like that you always get paid a bit more for, mm. at least in my experience, um, yeah. as opposed to, say, like a pub gig where, you know, you sort of get that set fee, especially with agencies and stuff. I mean, mm. I, I play for, for Snack Attack very often, you know, <laughs> um, Elliot having a kid and stuff, obviously, you know, he's, yeah, he's yeah, got to find yeah. time for the family. So I sort of come in. I think I'm like the dedicated guy there because basically um, – if Elliot can't do it, I go in on guitar. If Joel can't do it, I go on bass. Yeah. And then if um, Foley can't do it, Joel goes on uh, vocals and I go on bass. So handy. So yeah, I'm handy. sort of like the, the call like in. the fifth member. Versatile. Sort of yeah. like the fifth member, really, yeah, yeah. Which, which is good. Um, sort of build up a relationship with those guys and various other um, people. Um, the only one project, I guess, that I'm naturally part of is uh, just this, this – she's more of like a country – Sort of artist, but she does cover gigs. Yeah, and I'm you guys mainly have jammed here as well. Yeah, exactly. So we've 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 rehearsed here and stuff, and I mainly just play bass for that one. And that's What's sort her of name? the main uh, Michelle Gardner. Uh, we're called Michelle Gardner and the Seedy Boys. She's not happy about that second part of the name, <laughs> <laughs> but all of us in the all of us in the group really want to keep it. All the Seedy Boys really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we 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 actually said that to one of the MCs at a wedding we were doing um, in Williamstown, and. Uh, she said, here's the two names. She said, we're called Michelle Gardiner in the Grove or Michelle Gardiner in the CD Boys. And this old guy, he was like 80, the MC of the wedding, just goes, CD Boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. Yeah. Sick. But yeah, so I'm more of like a, a fill-in more than anything else. But yeah, um, nice. yeah it's good. Because as I said, less responsibility, I guess, for having to organize things with it. But mm. um, you still just learn the material, rock up on time and, yeah, and yeah. play well. Now, I have a question. Sorry, Stu. Okay. The, so the cover scene is kind of not something I've been heavily in, we'll say, but it's super interesting. Like, it's fascinating. Do you reckon, Eddie, that, like, your difference in how you played in cover bands as opposed to Trav, where he's been in one dedicated one? Because, like, you were probably one of the fucking cleanest, sickest guitarists to come through here. Oh, geez, man. Like, fucking dude has got skills. Do you reckon that Too goes... That. Do you reckon that kind of goes with... The fact that you weren't, say, in a dedicated band meant that you had to be fucking good at what you do because given the chance, you had to kind of jump to it. Whereas if you had one dedicated project, you can sometimes get a little bit complacent and not like, not that it's shit, but like when mm. you know you're going to get the next gig, mm. when you know you're in the band, you don't have to fucking push yourself. Like, mm. do you think that kind of drove you to polish your, your skills a little more? Yeah, I think the main thing that I really pushed for, even just when I was younger, you know, I listened to a lot of music when I was younger, a lot of different kinds of music. I'd listen from anything from, you know, um, Lamb of God, you know, Metallica heaviness to the pop music of like Coldplay and stuff like that, you know, and I think because of that, um, the big thing I tried to push for was versatility more than anything else. So you should be able to, as as like more of the session style as opposed to just being in a cover band where you actually yep. have to, you know, come into a group with no rehearsals and be able to play the gig. Yeah. Um, you've, you've got to just have that versatility. Mm. It's you know, a whole so you, different dynamic that most cunts would yeah. never, I've never had to experience that. Or well, that every band's different, yeah. you know. So I've got plenty of different bands that I play for where they have a certain vibe to them. And obviously jumping on guitar versus bass, you know, those different roles and their different mm. responsibilities obviously keep you, keep you on your toes. Mm. But I think it's, um, yeah, it's just mainly versatility, you know, and that's something I probably owe my guitar teachers as well as going to university for, you yeah. know, to teach you to not be not be like a jack of all trades. Well, you've got to have a work ethic at the same good. time as though. Have, like you couldn't things. just, you couldn't do that 
and just kind of be like, yeah, whatever, play guitar. Mm. You have to be like, I fucking love playing guitar. Yeah. Mm. You have to have that sort of like wanting oh, internal drive to, for um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. To do that. Well, I was always fascinated with other instruments too, you know? And I think that's a thing that you see with certain, um, you know, certain musicians. You know, I know some amazing, absolute amazing, <clears throat> excuse me, guitar players but they couldn't play a single chord on a piano to save their life. Mm. Mm. But they're amazing guitar players. So there's, I think there's those types of like virtuoso musicians yep. and then there's the other musicians who've sort of delved into other instruments and I think it's yeah. helpful to try that out because it gives you a little bit of a different perspective. So me having the guitar and the bass, you know, makes do a huge difference. Do you ever fuck with any keys, difference. piano? I do, I do play piano. I learned, funnily enough, I learned piano before I learned guitar. Fuck. Dude, just all over the shop. All right, we're just you and me are going to start another band. <laughs> it's going to be called Giant Mountains. Giant, <laughs> giant, giant hills. Giant, giant hills. hills. <laughs> and Stu's not allowed in that band either. Sick. Uh, I definitely agree. Like even when I went back and studied sound production, mm. like when I was making beats, I just jack fucking samples, put some drum, like some fucking either drum loops or program my own drum, drums. When I learned that side of it, like at the start, I was just fucking stealing loops. You just steal fucking sounds. Mm. And then as I kind of learned more and cool, I can actually write and program my own drums. I'd write all that, but still the sample side, I'd always just rip. And then going back to school, we were forced to take keyboard, mm. which was sick because I was like, fuck, this is how music kind of works. This is how chords mm -hmm. work together. Cool. Was this is MIT? Uh, yeah, 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 Fairfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that like keyboard class for everyone, yeah, yep. that one. Some people loved it, some people just I loved it. <laughs> and and the teacher was this jaded motherfucker who hated life. His name was Matthew Bolding, if he's listening. He was, he was literally <laughs> Not, didn't one, name of, names, one yeah. of the most jaded people I've ever met. Like, yeah, he just played in a band and didn't quite plan out and he got fucked over by a few people and was just miserable. But I kind of found him funny. Like I'd hang out with him and, and like I kind of was trying to learn so he would try to help me. Yeah. Um, but he was fucking funny. But I found that so handy, so fucking handy. Mm. Even just all the other little aspects of, oh, cool, this is how things slot mm. together and this is how this works and these chords are their friends with these guys. And it just meant even in my fucking stripped back producing, I could make stuff make more sense because I just had that basic understanding. Mm. Yeah, I think understanding of theory will make your life easier when it comes to doing any aspect of playing or recording music or anything like that. Yeah. Just, just trying mm -hmm. a different instrument though is such yep. a huge thing. It just takes you outside your comfort zone. Mm. It, it helps you, I think, like I'm not I, – I did used to learn piano, but I never – like I only did it for like three years when I was really young. And I remember the theory behind it and I remember it, like what the white notes are and what the black notes are and all that sort of stuff and I know – but – Playing guitar, it's way different to piano. And I think visualizing a piano, when I'm playing guitar, I still visualize a piano when I'm thinking of the notes that I'm playing. Mm. And I'm like, which chord is this on a piano? Like, or vi vice versa, when I'm playing a piano, I visualize a guitar and I'm like, where is this sitting on a guitar? I don't wow. know. That's just something that I do. Interesting. I, I have I have two questions. I think you should I think you should get the mid ground and play keytar. That's a good call. That is an idea. <laughs> That's an idea right there. We need to get a, a studio keytar for sure. Yeah. All right, Stu, good news. You're back in the band on keytar. <laughs> but that's like I'll be average at it. Yes. <laughs> but that's the thing with like the other instruments. That's like the reason why, obviously, with Trav, you know, like yeah. why I really enjoy his songwriting. You know, it's because, you know, even though he's obviously naturally an amazing drummer, he's also like a, a pretty decent guitar player mm. as well. 
And that like creates I've a got, huge difference in mm. when you write songs and stuff. You know? Well, for those that are playing at home that don't know me and Travi, we're in a band for about five years together called The Spin Set. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked about it before, but I like me and Trav have an understanding of each other's musical ability that I'm sure you guys are learning about each other as well. Mm. But we bounce off each, each other really easily because of our understanding of music and, and kind of how, you know, song arrangement and all that sort of stuff happens. So I think like having an amount of music theory, you don't have to be the fucking biggest freak. You don't have to know what every single chord in the world are, like add nines and add 11. and all. You don't need to know that sort of stuff. I know next to no theory. But but yeah. having an understanding of how notes interact with each other and, and which chords work well together and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. just makes such a big difference when it comes to learning songs and fucking writing songs and all that sort of shit as well. I did have two questions and they they go hand in hand. First one is what's the best thing about being in a, in a cover band and what's the worst thing? Thing about being in a cover band is the second <laughs> second. Well, question. they really do go hand in yeah, hand. Yeah. Don't they? So, <laughs> I'll let I'll let Trevor answer. Yeah. This first. Uh, the the best things, I think, um, like the gigs are consistent. Yeah. So you get to kind of master your craft, and it's it's a consistent thing. Um, so I loved I loved the idea that I was able to play drums. How two, often were they? Were they like once a week? When we were at our busiest, it was two to three gigs a weekend. Fuck. So it was pretty hectic. And I was still working like a, a regular, like, you and know, the, six or seven day, uh, uh, five or six day week kind of thing at work. And they cover bands are long sets. Like, they're like 245s yeah. or something. Three, 345s. Yeah. Fuck. On like, average. how many it's songs? A long night. So even like, as we never played for that long, the longer, nah. like, as an original band, you, you will never. Very like, how many tracks do you guys go through on in that? It's tough at the start. At the start, I really struggled. Like it was, the, I struggled like to get the energy. Marathon. And it's like, it's like eight to ten songs a set. So you're basically getting through like maybe 30, 30 songs, songs in a night if you do Easily. like a full thing. We, we, Most used, to, we used to who, play 12 song sets. Yeah. Most people who claim to be an artist have not written 30 songs to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to play, to play for that long, that was a long learning curve because you had to kind of stamina. figure out, yeah, yeah, yeah stamina had to build up and all that mm. kind of thing. So and you probably would just like feel like you need to go hard right from the start like just to be that energetic when you're in yeah. a cover band you have to fucking it's a performance like you should take that attitude into an original band but I feel like if you're definitely getting paid for being a performer again which everyone should but in a perfect yeah. world yeah but in a cover band it's like you have to be on point the whole mm -hmm. time it and really when you're first learning, you'd be like, fuck, I've got to do this. Yeah. By the end, you're fucking ruined. It <laughs> really depends on, like, I think uh, venues and certain events are really important. Mm. If, you, if, you're, if you're gigging at a pub, like, balls to the wall, the whole show, just mm. come in, guns blazing, because you want everyone to turn your head, they'll turn their heads and, and just, and just get right on it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what the venues kind of want you yeah, to do. Yeah. Whereas if you're playing, like, a, a private function, You've got to start off soft and kind of mm -hmm. bring it in slowly, and by the end, like I think that's what you know? I would do if I was in a cover band. I'd be going for the corporate gigs. I'd be going for the oh, well, oh yeah, well, that's where the money is. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying Probably before. Like, that's too, the, like with weddings and stuff, like mm -hmm. weddings. Like I've done heaps of weddings where basically the first set, your background music, and people aren't yep. paying uh -huh. attention to you for most yeah. of the night. Well, but even <laughs> just for for the first set, especially. Oh, we have a visitor. We're waiting on our uh, Bukowski. It's Bass. Bassy. <laughs> Do you want to go get him? Yeah, Seeing as you're up, we've got um, Bukowski oh, coming yeah. in to do yeah, a live yeah. session. 
and Stu just left his chair right between me and Trav. That's what better. Now I can see you again. All right, well, while he's away, let's have the real question, shall we? Now. Oh, sorry, the, to add to the last one. Just right, what quick, is the worst part? The best part, like I found, was like the friends. Like after being in a band that long with people, you just form a family, man. And Nine years is a fucking it's a long time. Long time, time those, those guys are some of my best friends. Bad. So, yeah. Do you still are you still in touch with all of them? Yeah. Sweet. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah, man. So that, that's like the highlight for me. It's like I got to do what I loved and got paid for it, and I got to hang out with my best mates. Yep. So oh, I definitely see the fucking perks of it. Yeah, man. And I think even just from an outsider, someone who's never played in a cover band. I think that little bit of stability and the fact that there is actual money in the fucking ecosystem yeah, man. just means like, sweet, you can actually get paid to do shit. You're not constantly fucking scrounging coins together and doing all this shit. Man, I like it. Mm, I think yeah, um, I think Giant Mountains is going to be a huge success once we get going. <laughs> Ed. Giant Hills will be good. Is Basti coming in? Yeah, they're going to load in. Ah, uh, sweet. Eduardo, um, what was your um? I finished off there while you ate. Sorry, burger. Nah, Eduardo, what's the um best and worst part? Best and worst part of the of cover band being life. Being in a cover band. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, was the best part of the chicks, drunk <laughs> chicks. It's okay, you can say it. this is an all ages podcast. <laughs> the best part is the tail. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the um, yeah, I think. Similar to what Trav said, I think I think one of the best parts is just the consistency of it all. You know, so the fact that um, even regardless of me doing multiple projects, like I'm gigging a fair amount anyway, you know, and um, the fact that they're all paid, you know, they're all paid gigs and you're basically able to make a living off playing your instrument. You know, hey. like you couldn't really ask for anything more. As Stu mentioned, you know, it would be great to do that with original music. You know, but um, cover band's sort of like the halfway point there, I think. You still get to play your instrument. Mm. You still get to make mm -hmm. money doing For it. For the love of the music in a different way. Yeah. Yep. I and enjoy it, playing guitar. Every time I play guitar, yeah. it's an enjoyable experience. So yeah. if I'm getting paid for that, that's amazing. Fucking you know? And, even, and a... then the worst, the worst is probably for me just um, just hours-wise. Yeah. That like so, I'd, so, tough, so hey. I've done some weddings where I've got there at, you know, 2 o'clock. And we started playing at 8.30. So, yeah. Is that by choice? That one's the most extreme we've run into in terms of your load-in time versus your yeah, what, uh, Why is that? Is just so you that, don't interrupt the wedding? That's because you have to load in before the reception starts. Yeah. Say like an average reception starts at like maybe three, maybe four. And it wouldn't like have been that. close to your house. And so you couldn't have just gone home or? No, nah, this was opposite side of the city oh, too, you know. Yeah. You know and most that's the thing too. So most... Most weddings I've done, um, that's that, I mean, that was probably one of the closest ones to the city. Most of the ones I do are a little bit further out. Mm. I did one that was right near Wilson's Prom, right? Jeez. Oh, um, so <laughs> yeah. Such a mess. That's, oh, that's, that's a, a drive. Do, uh, do you get living away from home allowance? When you uh, this is the thing. We got, we, got, we got fuel allowance. We got accommodation paid for. So we stayed Sweet. there the night. And then we also got a pretty decent pay in the first place yeah. and it was a really nicely put together band. wedding mm. so yeah. in a sense could be in a cover band yeah, well, there wasn't as much pressure yeah. as well. well we'll talk about this <laughs> off podcast um so yeah, yeah you need you need to do the the cover gig thing the wedding thing now you mentioned that you got traveling allowance and all this sort of stuff i remember some fucking awesome gigs that you have done in your time mm -hmm. in like near hamilton island and stuff can you oh yeah yeah, yeah. tell us about that 
All right, so that that was a while ago. I can't remember how many years now. Would um, you you'd call this a perk of the being in the oh, cover yeah. band? Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. So the owners from a pub up in Ely Beach, um, they came down and saw us. They were looking for a band. They were just looking for different bands to come up and mm-hmm. do like a week long, like residency. Uh, kind of residency. Yeah, yeah up, up at the place. So um, they saw us at the Wilbur in St Kilda and were like, "You guys are sick. Um, who do we need to talk to to get you up at our venue?" So, that's sick so yeah we they contacted AES and they were like look we want them for a week so that we were like sweet they they paid for um like our, our accommodation and all that so we <laughs> we just flew up there that and, is um, awesome and we just we played for I think it was six gigs in a, every night but during the day we'd just be chilling and just doing shit did but you like, get like were you fucked by the end or was it fine no, oh, I was pretty like bent. Yeah, <laughs> like, was yeah, just, but that was that's because of joking and all the yeah, extra yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it was so like much you fun. Could, physically, you could play a gig every fucking night of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just, sick. I, just, I, I had no up, idea that happened. That's yeah, dope. Up there, it's just, it was was just so loose, and even the owner was just like bringing shots up to the stage, and we just got like they just. I'm just like, dude, I'm not gonna be able to play up. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a shit. And he's Get like, drunk. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I've heard stories of Ailey Beach. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, pretty loose. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Stu, don't make me kick you out of the band again. <laughs> By the way, we're starting a cover band after this. All right, sweet. Done. I'll Can I the, play guitar? I'll book the tickets to Ailey Beach. Okay. I thought we get covered for that. No? I thought that's what you do in a cover band. You co- uh, cover expenses as well. Yeah. Uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, well. Anyway, now that Stu ruined that segment, <laughs> let's, what, uh, let's move on. Yeah. I want to learn more about session, session fucking shit. Like um, rolling in, kind of walk us through that. What's it like going into a band going, hey, I need, we need a replacement. Usually something would have happened. Someone got fucking injured or someone quit. Like it's usually not the best circumstances that they have to get a ring in for a band. Like what's your kind of experience? How's that gone down? Have you been called into dudes for doing recording sessions to do live? Um, yeah, so I mean like I've – I've I've sort of filled in with a few projects with that stuff. None of them have been, um, none of them have been like permanent things. Um, but the ones I've been a part of, it's just sort of been you know just me going in and and just learning the songs, you know, learning them enough for me to to go into a rehearsal and then um, and then just basically play it properly. Mm. I think the big thing with that is, you know, I was I was chatting to. I was chatting to someone um, who was the guitarist for Richard Marks. So I was able to get into one of those big, like, day on the green yep. festival things because a mate was working um, the lighting there. So I was able to sort of get in there and, and got me backstage and stuff. And I wasn't even really interested in, like, the, the artists that much, mm. but I was interested in chatting to the people playing for them. Yeah. And one of the big things he said, you know, I asked him, oh, you know, how did you get into playing for for Richard Marks and stuff, you know, how did you get into doing that? And he was walking through, you know, his, the, the way he sort of started and things like that. And um, I eventually asked, you know, what's one of the big things that, that you would explain to someone who wants to do the session thing? And I think it was a great thing and I sort of try to follow that every time I go to do a session and that's just rock up with a good attitude. So just don't be, don't be a dick. Yeah. Like basically you want to be someone who people can just get along with, Yep. you know, which I don't think is that hard yeah you know don't be a prick and then you learn, say that yeah yeah you say that some people have some people who do struggle yeah. with that concept 
looking to use shit. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is just learn the material properly. And the third thing is just rock up on time. Mm. Yep. Time's I mean, a huge not, one. That's not hard. You time's know? one of those things that, for whatever reason, annoys my head if people are late. Mm. If people aren't late, I'm like, fuck, man. That, to me, just makes a really big fuck you of my time's worth more than yours. Why should I be here on time? Mm. And even if it's maybe not, you know, intentional or anything, being on time is one of those things that really fucking... It just aggravates me. Just give people notification. If you're yeah, running correct. late in traffic, hey, shoot a text. You know, shoot yep. a text through. Exactly it. Or don't don't call or text while driving. Obviously, correct. not condoning <laughs> I, that. Well, but, even that. I've I've yeah. been running what I thought was late for a meeting due to traffic. This is on Punt Road, and literally pulled over. Fucking made a call as I came in. Fuck, dude, I'm gonna be like five minutes late. Punt Road's cunt. As I was driving, traffic yeah. cleared up, ended up getting there like two or three minutes early or something. Yeah. It's like, fuck, the worst that happens is you show a bit of courtesy to go, man, you know, I respect what you're doing as much as fucking I hope you're respecting what I'm doing. Mm. A courtesy call mm. or a text isn't that much to ask. I've, yeah. I've got a story of how I, I've never been late to a gig. The latest I've ever rocked up at a gig was at a playbook gig. This is the last one? This is one of the last gigs that we played and it was at Wrangler Studios. And I... This was great. I left here, actually. I was working yep. that day and I left here early. I left here. We were supposed to be playing at 6.30 or 7 o'clock or something like that. I left at like 4 o'clock or it ended up being like I was a little bit late to leave here, quarter past four or something, to arrive at 6 to be on stage at 6.30. The traffic was so bad because I had to drive through the, through the city and I got there with like a minute to spare. So I... Got a call from Jenkins like every 15 minutes, like, dude, where are you? Where are you? I was like, man, I am trying. Like, I can't push the traffic along. I have to just like mm. get there when I can get there. I'm sorry, like blah, blah, blah. And I was stressing so hard. I ran, I ran from my car, ran up the stairs, and I, like I told Jenkins to set up my kit and set up the symbols by the time that I was get there, I will jump on stage. I ran up the stairs, <laughs> sat behind the kit, the, the setup was so wrong, like all the drums, the cymbals were in the wrong place. I think Jenkins had like a, a crash cymbal here and the right cymbal was like way over there and the drums just weren't. He had one floor tom set up. I didn't have a rack tom. And I'm just like, <laughs> I got behind the kit and I'm like, we ready? We good? One, two, three, and started the set. It was That's like. so good. It was the shittest feeling ever, feeling like that stress and yep. just like. I hate that. And I felt like I was letting everyone yeah. down. I felt like I was letting the venue down. The TM was like being a dick about it. And I was just like, fuck, this is so bad. It's just the worst feeling. That so, is the huge thing that affects performance. Yeah. Huge mm -hmm. thing, you know? Um, I, I mean, we played really well, actually. Yeah, but well, it was yeah. so stressful. In the I know what you mean. I know. Yeah. yeah it's like, just attitude. anxiety. This, is, yep. this is, goes back to that attitude thing. It's like um, there could be... It could be 20,000 things going through your mind. Yeah. But I guess there's got to be a certain point when you sort of bring that, that sense of professionalism yep. to your own mind and then, you know, yep. present that on the stage where you say, all right, well, this is, this is what I'm doing. This matters. is the job. This is what I've got to do. What, yep. and, I'm going to play the heck out of this gig. Yep. Yeah. And I think even like for me, seeing someone care like that, like to me being like, like shit happens. Life fucking occasionally gets in the way. Mm. But like... Seeing that someone cares about it is like, fuck, dude, I know I let the team down. I know, like, seeing that in someone, to me, is like, cool, let's move past it. Shit happens, 
move on. Yeah. It's when people act like it's nothing inspired. They're like, I wish okay. the TM felt the same way. <laughs> he was a dick. Anyway. <laughs> Most TMs generally yeah. are. Um, but yeah, that like to me, it's like if you, when do you say they like fucked you, you can see this person's clearly, it obviously wasn't the ideal circumstance to be late for anything, but it's when people roll in and then they're late and they're like, okay, it doesn't really fucking matter. Like, oh, this gig doesn't matter. Or there's no one here anyway. Lucky mm. I didn't get here. And like, that's what she like, okay, cool. Now let's put some fucking attention on your behavior because then it's fucking, yeah. then everyone feels it. Well, that, that then turns into like apathy, doesn't it? Yeah. Like that's what they've become. They've just become that's apathetic. That's when you've got to give it. up and we'll find something else. That's when it's like. What does apathy you, mean? Sorry, just for just, a, just a lack of caring. Yeah. Okay. So you just like couldn't care less. Okay. So if someone's going into a a gig with that attitude, then they're obviously just not meant to be doing that. Yeah. You know, we mm. don't do music because we yeah, intend to, to get paid the, for it, and we just you know it's not hassles. it's not a nine to five job, right? Mm. You know, it's like with, there's got to be unexpected. some there's got to be some form of enjoyment. Yeah. In there, because if you don't enjoy what you're doing. Definitely not getting paid enough yeah. to, mm-hmm. you know, to qualify as having this, uh, you know, meaningless job. Yeah. I know people that can do the nine to five thing and they can separate their work self from their, you know, from their music. personal self. Mm. But I think if you're working in music, even something like cover bands or session musicians, mm. um, there's still that blend between the two. Yeah. Definitely. Huge. I think that's anything like any creative industry. I think it's well, the majority, obviously there is people that still work in the music industry that they do it as a job. Like they rock up, they do their work and they fuck off on Friday and hang out with their friends. Yep. But I think the majority of people in creative industries, we've generally tried to do anything possible not to get a fucking real job and join the world. Mm. And we're like, cool, I, this is where I want to work. Like the hours will fucking ban shit moves, but it's like, we want to be here because that's who you are. You know, if we were to go to a nine to five, I think that's very much cool. Now I need to put myself on hold for these hours yeah. to do this job and this task at hand just to make money yeah. so I can eat and then I can go back to being me. And mm. then it's when, I mean, then as everyone in this room knows, when you fucking get a chance where you can live off that and you can actually fucking do that shit all the time and be in music, you're like, fuck, things just feel right. Yeah. Everything aligns. You're mm. like, you, you're not trying to fake or pretend you give a shit about something you don't or pretend you care about a fucking company that you don't. It's like, mm. cool, man, it's fucking music. Mm. I wish we could keep talking, but I think we do have to wrap it we up. Do, we do have Tchaikovsky rolling um, in behind us. Yeah. Now, do you guys have any kind of final things to Anything you want to plug? About? You got I singles? won't let you go until you do the voice. Oh, apart yes. Apart from that, do you have Absolutely anything else that you guys want <laughs> to talk about? If anyone needs um, some voiceovers done, Ed is amazing at this. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. I think it's just like if you want to – I know like my cover band experience kind of just fell into place, but yeah. it was a really good way of making money and still being able to do music. So if you're finding it hard to um, like do your own thing um, and but you still want to like just make a living of, of music, then doing a cover thing is a really good way of getting your skill set up mm. and mm-hmm. earning money while you're doing it. Yep. And getting and used to the music business. Not well. only that, there's like a lot of things to read. Like you learn about the, how like to work with management. You need to know yep. how to market yourself. You need to know how to um, dedicate time to rehearsals and learning songs and all that kind of thing. Um, and it just becomes like a, a whole different ball game yeah. when you decide to do your own music. Yeah. You treat it like a business like you did when totally. you were a cover band and it mm. just works. That's a great point. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I had a, like, I, I reckon would just – Correct me if I'm wrong. 
would a lot of guys not get into cover bands early on from a kind of fucking almost ego point of view? Where they're like, I, I hear it all the time. Yeah. They're just like, I could never be in a cover band. I couldn't play other people's music and make money from it. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. About yeah. That. All that tells like, me is I you get have to a play shit music. attitude yeah. and you never yeah. thought yeah, of I'm it. Like, like, I just want to fucking play music and make yeah, money. Playing drums for money. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. 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 I'll play Jesse's girl three times a week if I can pay my rent the following week. Correct. I'm triggered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's, uh, that's, a, that's a tough que- one. That's to answer the question, question before, what's the worst thing about being in a cover band? Jesse's Girl. Yeah, that's the worst yeah. thing about being in a cover band. That song is huge. From someone who's never played in a cover band, greatest song of all time. <laughs> and if, any, if everyone yeah. can yeah. continue to word. request it of cover bands, <laughs> we, boy- we boycotted a few songs. <laughs> really? K San. Yeah, <laughs> we don't do nice. Just get the bogans out. That's, that's, that's right. I think we're missing the big Vacation. one. The big one everyone wants is horses, right? Yeah, that's that's the big say, one that's everyone wants. Yeah, we stopped playing that too. Not a good song. It's a big track. It's a big yeah, track. Yeah, it's a big song. Yeah, let's face it. Let's face All right, it. nice. Well, thank you, Tiny Mountain, for coming on today. Did you, you guys have anything you want to plug? Do you have some singles coming out? We do. You got, you got some tracks yes. coming out. So at this point in time, we're almost finished uh, recording us our, our first single, and it's just being mixed now. So. So far, Huge. we've only done like a, a, a video kind of plug. Now, where was that song tease. tracked? Was it was, that? It was uh, yeah. I don't know if you know, mate, but it was uh, recorded at Marshall Street Studios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, I had a ball. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. It, it was, was fun, fun tracking it. Yeah. Challenging. Engineered by uh, this lovely man right here. Yep. So. Old it was, if it sounds shit. So, well, that's why it sounds me. good, though. Eddie, <laughs> well, well, do the voice. Sign off. Do, do the, the voice. voice. <laughs> <laughs> what should I say? Should I say this? Say thanks for listening and yeah. Thanks for listening. This is uh, Tiny Mountain on the Marshall Street Studios podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best. All right. See you guys next Peace. time. Peace.